Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. He is a good, good father. Well, welcome to Tri-Cities Church. If this is your first time with us, we want to say welcome. My name is Lamar. I'm the lead pastor here, along with some fabulous pastors and elders. We welcome you here to Tri-Cities Church. If it is your first time, or second, or third, or maybe you've been visiting with us and you never fill out a connection card in front of you in the seat, something called a connection card, you can grab that, fill that out, let us know a little bit of information about you, and then if it is your first, second, third time, you've been hanging around and never actually let us know that you're a guest, you can take that completed connection card back to the Next Steps area on your way out and receive a free gift from us just for us to show that we appreciate you joining us. There are plenty awesome places in the Tri-Cities area to worship, but we think we're one of the best, and so we're glad that you came and decided to join us. If this is your first time with us, uh, I got good news for you, and I got bad news for you. I'm the type of person I like to eat my vegetables first, so I'll give you the bad news first. The bad news is you're kind of at the end of the series, and so we are in week eight of a six-week series. Yeah, that's, I did say that. Week eight of a six-week series because it was supposed to be six weeks, and I realized that I messed up. I needed more time than that, so we are in week eight last week of a series that we're calling This Is Us. Here's the good news that this is actually a perfect Sunday for you to kind of understand a lot about Tri-Cities Church and the vision going forward and what we're hoping to accomplish as a church. And I'm going to share some things with you that are going to help you in your own spiritual life to have some intentionality. So This Is Us is a series on the six values of Tri-Cities Church. They're behind me on the banners, and we've gone through those over the last six weeks. If you've missed any of them, I would encourage you. We have a mobile app now. And so you can do this right now. No white, no ushers with white gloves are going to come and take your phone and make you spit out your gum. Y'all remember that? When the usher would slap you on the back of the head and put that white glove. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I promise that's not going to happen to you. You can pull out your smartphone right now, go to your app store, search Tri-Cities Church, T-R-I-Cities Church, and download that. It's completely free. You can get all the messages from this series and other messages from this year. You can also have, there's a Bible reading plan. You get notifications about what's going on in the church. It's a great tool for you to stay in touch with what's going on here. So download that and make sure that you go back and listen to all those messages so you can get a sense of who we are. But I'm going to try to put a bow on it today and wrap it all together so that you can see how our values work. And I said this to the team last night. I'm going to do probably more uh, teaching than preaching this morning. I'm going to take you to the classroom I said this to the team downstairs, uh, that our values as a church are like a beautiful frame that God is hanging the artwork that he's painting. So God is painting and continuing to unfold a story of us as a church and us as a people. Even largely when you talk about the big C, the church, there's a story that God is continuing to write. There's a painting that God is continuing to draw and to paint. And so our values here at Tri-Cities are the beautiful frame that helps frame that in. So we know who we are. We anchor to that. And remember we said that this series is based on a TV show. If you watch it, This Is Us, great show. And one of the reasons why we picked that as a title is because when you see that family, they go through their ups and downs, ins and outs, like any other family, just like your family, just like mine, just like, guess what, the church family goes through its ups and downs. But there were this core set of values that they have as a family that always brought them back together. And that's who we are as Tri-Cities Church. So I want to just start off uh, by saying a few things 
about a, a survey that we took. So some of you were here when I first got here. My family and I uh, came to Tri-Cities Church at the end of January. And so if you're new here, so am I. But, but several months ago, we took a survey, and I told you that that would come back up. And so let me just share with you a little bit of one of the questions that we asked people about how familiar you are with the vision of Tri-Cities Church. I always like to know that as a people, how in tune are we? How, are, how close are we all to understanding God's plan for this church in the same way? And so 35% of you said uh, you were extremely familiar uh, another 38% said we are very familiar, but then there's maybe about 27% that said, I kind of know, but I'm not really sure. And so for me, that lets me know that that's why we have to keep talking about this, so that as you come in and as we grow, we continue to learn what God is doing and how God is working through us in this church. And so I want to go back to where we were. So if you miss any of the messages in this series, go back because we've sort of anchored ourselves the last couple of weeks in this text, Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 through 23. I want to read that again for you, even though we've been reading it for the last couple of weeks. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 through 23. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. So let me pause right there. Jesus is now giving an explanation of something that he already taught, because just like the disciples, sometimes Jesus will say something to us, and we don't get it the first time. Anybody else like that, like me, where God will say something to me, and I didn't get it the first time, or I act like I didn't hear it? Okay, y'all lying. So he says, now I'm going to go back, and I'm going to re repeat what I just said, because I got to make sure that you understand what we're talking about. So he says, listen to the explanation of what I just taught. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Their problem is not that they're not growing. Their problem is they're not producing any fruit. Then he says the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So Jesus is giving an illustration here of how the kingdom works. And over the last several weeks, we've anchored ourselves in this to understand something critical about our own spiritual life, living a life of all these values, but particularly living a life of intentionality and transformation. And Jesus says something interesting. I said this last week. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. Did you notice that when Jesus talks about the barriers to growth, he never blames the seed? Did you catch that? He says the, the, the issue is not the seed. Can I just say this this morning? Most of you, and I said this a lot, and I'm going to say it again. Most of you come to church because you want to do better. You, you want to grow. You don't take your day off. Or some of you, maybe you still have to work today. Maybe this is one of your two days off. Nobody gets up and comes to church on a Sunday morning because they want to do worse. And Jesus says, here's the issue. It's not the seed. Don't miss that. Because far too often, some of us grew up in church like that where, and I said this last week, where we grew up in church and our measurement of whether or not church was good is how bad we felt when we left. Y'all remember that? 
man, pastor really got in my business. He really, and, you, and, and I felt like church was, was good as long as I was made to feel bad. But Jesus says it's not the issue of the seed. The seed will do what it's designed to do. Watch this, if the environment's right. Don't miss that because that's going to be key for your own personal development and transformation. Last week, we talked about a couple of things, and I want to bring that in and then put all of it together for you. Because last week, you remember, we talked about the first set of seed that hit the ground, and Jesus says that it hits the ground, and because they don't understand, it leads to no faith. You remember that? He says, I just read it, the interpretation, that the bird actually steals the seed. The bird, he interprets as Satan, the enemy, whatever you want to call him, he steals the seed. And Jesus says, it's because they didn't understand. Here was our challenge last week. I said, can't the church do something about that? Like, if we're talking about four different results, then even mathematically, let's just do math, and I'm not good at math. Uh, everybody that knows me knows that I don't believe that God is the, is the one who invented math. I think the math is of the devil. <laughs> Why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. <laughs> but if we, even if we just did some math here, there's four results, right? He says there's one area, maybe 25%, that he says their only issue is that the environment that they're in is too difficult to understand. Did you catch that? He says that seed, that, that group, that, let's say, at least 25% of people that you know that don't know Jesus, Jesus says they would come to faith, but we made it too hard. They lack understanding. Okay, so I'm going to go to my whiteboard. If you're drawing, if, if you have any paper, uh, I want you to draw this. Don't worry if you can't see it. I'm going to leave it up here. You can come take pictures when we're done. But I want you to draw four quadrants like this. Let's call this one. Let's call this two. Let's call this three. Let's call this quadrant four. So remember, Jesus says the first group lack. Don't look at my handwriting. My handwriting is terrible. It's on, it's on the screen. Don't look at my handwriting. Look up there. <laughs> he says the first group lacks understanding. What happens? No faith. Remember I challenged you last week, I said, man, if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to live some intentionality, with some intentionality, put yourself in an environment where you can begin to try to address the stuff that you don't understand. Remember I said this last week, that most of us, our problem is, is that we don't know what we should believe. Jesus says, this group right here, you know what the issue is? You know what the issue is, church? Now I'm talking to the big church, apply this to your life where it applies he says, there are people who would follow me, but y'all keep talking in language that people who are not Christians don't understand. At least 25% of the people who might walk through our doors would come to Christ if we made it simple enough for them to understand. First group, he says, lack of understanding, no faith. Come on now, even in your personal life, are there some areas in your life? I know you're a Christian, but are there some areas of your life where you lack faith? Can I just help you? Maybe you lack understanding. And if we create an environment where we keep it simple, keep it intentional, even in your own life, where there's something that I don't understand, then I come to Bible study. I said this last week uh, that we took a survey, remember the same survey, and I asked you what do you need? What are one of the biggest needs that you have for your own personal spiritual growth? I think it was 60-something percent. I said 57 last week. I was wrong. 67 percent said biblical literacy. 
If you're going to help us pastors, see, that's my job is to figure out how can I serve you. Paul says that the pastors were given to the church as a gift to equip the body to do the work of the ministry. So I asked the question, how can I help you? 67% of you said, I need to know more about the Bible. Teach me about books of the Bible. Teach me about figures in the Bible. Why? Because there may be an area in my life where I don't have faith. And when we create an environment where there's some understanding, it increases your ability to believe. So Jesus says, first group, lack of understanding, there's no faith. So here's what I want you to do in your own personal life. We'll talk about this as a church. Is it okay if I just teach this morning? He says, there's got to be an environment that you have in your life that is dedicated to spiritual growth. Got to have it. What is that environment in your life? As a church, we have to create an environment where we are being intentional and helping people understand the faith. Because Jesus says with that group, the only thing stopping them from becoming dedicated followers of me is they just don't understand. You're talking over their head. You're saying things that they don't really understand. That doesn't mean that we don't use Bible words. But I don't know if you've noticed over the last six months, whenever I say a word in the Bible that I, don't, that I know that people may not understand, I try to define it. Because I don't want to be the reason why. You leave here and your faith is not increased. So can I just say this? In your own personal life, if you want to grow, remember we talked about transformation, you want to live out all these values, what is your space that is dedicated to spiritual growth? It doesn't have to just be one, but you got to have one. Surround yourself and place yourself in an environment where you can get some understanding so your faith can be increased. Jesus says this group, Simple problem. They don't understand it. And did you notice that with that group, I don't know if you noticed this, it's the only group that Satan targets. Did you catch that? He says the bird, and when he interprets it, I just read it, he says he comes away and he steals the seed, which is the word of God. He says, I'm going to let the rest of these other areas, there's some trouble there, but here he says, I'm going to let life get you. Here I'm going to let other things get you. Here if you don't understand it, it's a perfect time for me to jump in and steal it from you. Come on now, how many of us grew up in a church like that where we went to church and we heard the message and we kind of halfway understood it and it didn't do anything to help stimulate our faith? And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, when life starts to happen, I, I lose a little bit that I thought I knew. You know what I'm talking about. So he says, first group, lack of understanding, no faith. We've got to have a spiritual growth environment. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because we talked about that last week. Here's what I want to get to this week because the second group, Jesus says that there is a group of seed. I just read it, that it hits the ground. And he says, did you catch it? They received the message with joy. But when the son, okay, I got to read you what he originally said before, before he interpreted this is Matthew 13, 5 and 6. This is the parable that he taught. I read you how he interpreted Matthew 13, 5 and 6. He says, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted up quickly because of the soil was shallow. Verse 6, but the plants soon became, soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. In other words, I'm going to see who's going to tell the truth up in here. Because this is... Y'all been in a good class this morning. I'm going to see if you're going to tell the truth. How many of us had a season of life 
Well, we came to church. We enjoyed it, right? He said they received the message with joy, but then he says they start growing. You can see it a little bit, but when the sun hits that thing, they fall away and die because they have no roots. How many of us have spent a season of life like that where I was enjoying it? Hey, the message was good. The worship was good, but I got to go to work on Monday and deal with the same person who got on my nerves on Friday. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like it's great for the hour and 15 minutes, but then when I have to leave, I got to deal with Jesus, what Jesus calls the sun, or in other words, I got to deal with life's problems. That's why it's not just good enough to have good church. We got to be a church that helps people to understand how to get rooted. Because when you leave this place, life, watch this, is going to kick you in the pants. And all the good preaching and all the good singing is not going to help you if you're not rooted. Isn't that like when I fall away from the church? Come on now, you know how when I have something going on in my life and I'm struggling. And you've been there before where you stop going to church because you're struggling. And and instead of running to God, we find ourselves running away from God. Jesus says, you know why that happens? Because you can do all this every single week, but until you get roots... Life is going to kick you in the pants, and that's those of us who's been in and out of church, in and out of church, in and out. He says they receive the message of joy. They don't even reject the gospel. We, we love it, but life is hard. So, so what does he say about this second group? He says that there's something called the sun. I'm going to call it life's problems. He says, you know what happens in this area? No roots. You following me? First group, lack of understanding, no faith. Second group, life's problems. The problem with that group is they have no roots. So, so what does that mean for us uh, as, a, as a church? Because remember I said you got to have an environment for spiritual growth. And, and can I just parenthetically pause and say, uh, when I wrap this up, I'm going to give you some language to help understand this. But if you ask anybody that you think is spiritually mature, How did you get to the place where you matured? I promise you, they may use different language than I'm using this morning, but they're going to tell you all the same stuff that I'm going to tell you this morning. This is how I got close to God. One, I found an environment that helped stimulate my spiritual growth. Here's a second one. I found a social environment. I'm just going to abbreviate because I don't have room. That helps, watch this, me deal with life. Can I just say this? I got a lot of young people in here. Some of us, we have rooted ourselves in environments that are not helping us to make things right. Don't, don't miss that. Jesus says the, the problem is, is that they enjoyed what they received, but they didn't root themselves in it. What, what does that mean, Pastor? That means that, watch this, we got to make roots where you can make things right. Make roots where I can make some things right. Come on now, all of us, I'm going to see if you're going to be honest again, got some yesterdays that we need settled. You know what I'm talking about, right? There's some stuff that I need, I need to, to fix. There's some stuff I'm working through. Come on now, all of us got some issues. There's some stuff in my past. And he says, if you want this thing to work, can I just challenge you? Don't just gather together on Sundays. What are you talking about? Get rooted 
And the best way, and this is how we do it here, and I'm going to continue to challenge you and push you as your pastor, the best way to make roots where you can make things right is to be in a group. Be in a group with other Christians where you can make yourself rooted. You know the people who hang on in there when it gets tough are the people who don't just come to church on Sunday, but they belong to a group. Okay, y'all looking at me real strange. You need some more. You need me to put some Bible on it. Acts 2, Acts 2. Verse 46, we read a little bit of this last week. Remember Acts 2.42, it says all the believers met together and they worship and they listen to the apostles teaching. And they listen to what it says in verse 46. They worship at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Luke, who writes both Luke and Acts, he gives a large enough sample size of the church. A lot of times I think that when we read the Bible, we think that it's chronological. Understand that when Luke, when Luke wrote Acts, he traveled around with Paul and with Silas and all the names that you see in there. That's why when you read Luke, sometimes it says, and they went there. And then sometimes it says, and we went there because Luke was with them. And so Luke traveled along enough to get a large enough sample size of the church before he sat down to write the second volume of his book. And you know what Luke said? Here's the secret sauce. Here's why Christianity made it through the first century. Have you ever wondered how did Christianity even make it out of the first century when they were killing Christians? They were throwing them to lions. They were boiling them in oil. They were hanging people upside down. They were crucifying people. How do you even know who Jesus is? Luke says, here's the secret sauce. You want to know how they hung on in there when the sun started scorching them? It's because they met in the temple and they rooted themselves in a group with other believers that helped them to weather the storm. I got to tell you, man, there is nothing more powerful than surrounding yourself with a group of people who, because come on now, we're here now and, and we're starting to grow. But can I just tell you, you're not always going to know everybody in here, but somebody in here needs to know your business. Somebody in here needs to know your birthday, your anniversary, your children's birthday. Somebody needs to know when you're sick. Somebody needs to know when you're missing. Somebody needs to know when you're struggling. Sometimes it's not going to be the whole crowd, but they worshiped in the temple. And he says they got rooted in groups. And can I just tell you, the only reason why you even know who Jesus is is because Luke says, here's the secret sauce. They didn't just do it on Sunday. They got together and they formed a family. What do you need to be transformed to live a life in intentionality? You need an environment, a spiritual growth, and you need a social environment. Watch this. That doesn't add to your problems, but it helps you fix your problems. Okay, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Because I got some, some of us got some folks in our environments right now that all they do is add to my misery. I'm not saying cut them off. I'm not one of those pastors that say cut them off, don't talk to them. But can we be at real, because we talked about a few weeks about evaluating ourselves. Can we just be honest? And I want to say this to my young people. Evaluate the folks that you have allowed yourself to be rooted with and find out, are they the source of my problems? Are they helping me fix my problems? That's why they tell people who struggle with addictions, don't go hang out at a bar. You got to be careful of your environment. So, So Jesus says, Lack of understanding. You tracking with me? No faith. Life's problems, man, those will continue to kick you in the pants until you get some roots. I'm going to push you, and you're probably going to get tired of me saying this, but get in a group. In the fall, we're going to roll it out where you have an opportunity to find a group to belong to. Some of you are already grouping, and we don't even know it. My point is don't do this by yourself. The primary image in the New Testament of the church is family. 
community, body. Jesus says, you can come and receive the message with joy, but until you get rooted, life is going to kick you in the butt. And you have a higher percentage of falling away from the faith if you're not rooted. You with me? All right, so we got to develop here then a, what I call a rooting system. And, and many of these things are already going on here at the church, but here's what I want to introduce you to because remember I said uh, this week is going to be more vision. I'm going to say, because come on now, let's be honest. People are asking, Pastor, you've been here almost six months. Where are we going? Y'all not going to admit it, but I know that's what you're saying. Here, here's what we want to do. We're going to focus here. Everything that we do on a Sunday, we want to make it simple. And it's already that way. Make it simple. I, I want to make it even simple for you to invite people. Because you know how it is, right? When you, some of y'all, okay, you don't go to that church anymore, so now you can tell the truth. Okay, so <laughs> have you ever, like, been a part of something, not just church, that you really want to invite someone to, but you're scared what's going to happen when you bring them? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like when your family say bring your, you know, some, you've been dating somebody and your family want to meet him, and, and you, you want them to meet them because you think it's getting serious, but you feel like, man, I can't take them over there because Uncle Lou, you know how he act, and you know how Aunt Sarah is, and such and such, and you don't want to take them there because you're afraid what's going to happen when you show up. You know what I'm talking about. You ever been to a church like that? Where you really want to invite your coworker, but you're scared of what might happen? Oh, Lord, who's singing today? Come on now, we can tell the truth. Keep it authentic, right? You know what I'm talking about. I wonder who's singing, who's preaching, who's leading worship. Is that person who can't sing singing today? You know what I'm talking about. We, we, we want to make it easy for you to understand what's going on, where we're going, what's happening, so that it makes it easier for you to invite people. No surprises. Well, there might be a few. But we want to make sure we create an environment where spiritual growth, that's why I said a couple of weeks ago that one of the things you're going to get from me is every now and then I'm going to bowl down your lane. I'm shine up my ball. I'm going to drive down your driveway, sit on your front porch and drink all your sweet tea and read your mail. <laughs> why? Be because you don't come here to waste your time and not be challenged to grow. But we also got to raise the challenge of this is not enough. Can I just tell you, I don't have a sermon good enough to keep you out of life's problems. I've been preaching now almost 20 years. I haven't found a message yet that's going to stop life from kicking you in the pants when you leave out of here. You know what's going to help you? Get rooted. Have a group of people that you meet with. They, they worship together in their temple and they met at homes. They were a family. Get rooted. So, so we're, we're working through now a, a rooting system. Check this out. We, we're, we're looking at now the, the guest experience. So you notice that now when people come, we say, you know what? We're so excited that you came. Here's a gift. You notice that? Because we want to open it up. We, we want to create a rooting system. Here's something that you don't know. Now, since March, and I said this last week, since March, there's been 50-plus guests. Some of them, maybe four or five, have been out of town but we're tracking that now. And, and guess what happens? When somebody comes who's a guest that week, they get an email, phone call, text message, some form of communication from Jamie and myself saying thank you for coming. We appreciate you coming. Rooting system. 
You matter to us. We want to create an on-ramp to you becoming family. We don't want you to just show up because Jesus says they'll receive the message with joy, but if you don't get them rooted, they'll fall away. So, so what's the vision? We're trying to help people to become rooted, to create a rooting system. You notice that we, we did our first, a couple months ago, what's called Newcomer's Lunch. You notice that? You know why we did that? We're developing a rooting system. Not only do you come, but we want to meet you. We want to sit down with you. We want to break bread with you because we want you to know me. We want you to know the elders, the staff, the pastors. We want you to get rooted. And we want people's earliest experiences, write this down because you're going to be a part of helping us grow. We want people's earliest experiences at Tri-Cities Church to be one of family. When you come here and you're new, we'll send you out. Even in the cups that they get is a letter from me. And when we get closer to the next newcomer's lunch, it says when the date is. We call them that week. We invite them to come because we want you to be family. Because you know what Jesus says? If you don't get rooted, life's going to kick you in the pants. So we're developing a rooting system. Is this good? I know I'm just kind of teaching through. We, we want to we make sure that you get in a city group. I said that already. Here's what I learned from the survey. 41% of us are not currently in a group. Some people said I was in a group and I'm not anymore. That, that's a high percentage. We want to bring that down. You want to know why? Because when someone gets sick, when you have an issue, your group, watch this, is going to be the first one to respond. The people that you've been doing life with, your family within this family, those are going to be the people to respond. And I got to challenge you with that because many of us have been to places and as we grow, we feel disconnected. Can I tell you, I served, my first ministry assignment was in a church, over 3,000 people, and I promise you, no lie, I knew almost everyone. Now, I might forget your name, but I knew you went to my church because when you get rich, I'm going to forget y'all's names too, so just... <laughs> Don't trip. <laughs> but you know why it worked? When you get rooted, you are connected. And whether I know everybody or not, I know that you're a part of my family because I'm rooted and because I'm serving, because I've made an intention to not let life's problems pull me away from the church. You with me? Here's, here's a, a way that we're working on right now. Because one of the things that I've learned over the years, and this is one of my philosophies of ministry, is to find short-term opportunities to get people to become family. And one of the best ways to do it is to actually find out what are common life problems that people deal with. That's why I asked you on the survey, what are some of the issues that you deal with so that I can help you with? So we decided to do what I call, and I've done this for years, what's called an innkeeper ministry. This is from the Good Samaritan. So you remember the story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus tells this story because a lawyer is trying to actually figure out who's my neighbor. How far do I have to go with this love thing? You know how we are. We're always trying to find how far do I, you know, Jesus, here's the line. How close can I get to it? You know what I'm talking about? Some of us right now, if a good gust of wind blow you, you'll be all the way over in it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So Jesus tells this story. You remember there's a, a guy who goes down the road. He gets beat up. The priest and the Levite pass by him. And then it says the Samaritan, the people that the, the Jewish people didn't like was the hero. But here's someone 
in this story that I don't think we think about. And here's how I've developed this ministry over the years. Verse 34 and 35 of Luke 10, it says, Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. And then he put the man out on his own donkey and took him in the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Let me tell you why that's important. Because you all know about tax collectors, right? In the Bible, tax collectors are considered, they're like really lowest of the low, right? Because they were the people who actually, I don't know if you knew this, we knew that they took taxes from Israel, but they actually bid for Rome to give them the right to do it. So it wasn't like Rome just said, here, take taxes. It was people who wanted to intentionally take advantage of their people. But you don't hear a lot about innkeepers. Innkeepers and tax collectors were pretty much considered the same because innkeepers were known for taking advantage of people. You just missed it in the text. The, the guy told the Samaritan told him, here's enough money, and I know that's not going to be enough, and so I'll repay you when, you when you get back. Here's what's beautiful about this, what I call innkeeper ministry. The innkeeper knew that this road was a road where people got robbed and got all their money stolen. When Jesus told this story, the people who heard it weren't surprised because everybody gets robbed on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's just it had rocks and places for thieves to hide. Everybody got robbed. It's kind of like life. If you travel down this road called life long enough, something's going to get you. And he says a Samaritan, but here's what we don't think about. Why would an innkeeper set up an inn on a road where he knows people have no money? Because it was his ministry. Did you notice that? He even took less money because his mentality was, watch this, here's what we're doing with groups. I'm going to set up shop in places where I know people get hurt. What does that mean for us, Pastor? That's why I said, but what do you guys need? What are some common life problems? We're going to set up innkeeper ministries. So can I just announce to you, we already have one person who's already committed to doing a grief support group for us. Because one of the highest responses was, Help us with grief. You know why? Because I don't care who you are in life, if you travel down this road long enough, you're going to be grieving over something. You will lose someone or something, and you're going to need some support. Why not address the groups by helping find out what are common life problems and form a family who can help support each other through those? So the innkeeper set up the ministry because he knew people who come down this road, they end up getting hurt. And whether it costs me out of my own pocket or not, I want to be set up in a place where I know people get hurt. You following me? So look, look for that. We're, we're starting groups. Another uh, maybe 50% of you said one of our uh, struggles, one of the things that we need help with is marriage and family issues. Look forward to more groups with that. Because I ask you because I want to know so we can set up an innkeeper ministry. That no matter what happens, there are certain areas of life where people, some of you said finances, look for that next year where we'll set up some type of short-term group, whether Crown uh, Ministries or Financial Peace, that's going to help people who say, this is a life problem that we have. Set up ministry. You following me? This is, I know this is vision, but I want you to see where we're going. Setting up opportunities for people to group together based on common life issues. And the prayer is that when you get out of that short-term group, you have grouped together long enough with people to understand the importance of grouping together, and then we can move you into a city group. You following me? Even in your personal life, man, you got to find that. 
Can I just tell you, I don't surround myself. I got a lot of pastor friends. I don't surround myself with anyone who is not equipped to help me deal with my stuff. Like I, like I got other friends. I got people that I'm bringing along. But the people who get access to my mind, you got to be able to help me with something. You got to because, can I just tell you, it's a lot of stuff going on up in here that needs some help. Don't laugh at me like that. You got issues, too. So, so, so do that in your own personal life. Okay, let's, let's, let's end with this last one because then Jesus says, you remember this? He says the last group, there are seeds that hit the ground, uh, they grow, and then he says there's something called thorns that choke out the fruit. He says the last group, he says it's the lure, I'm just going to put wealth and worry. He says the result there is no fruit. See, many of us, this is where we got to get to. Because you notice that Jesus says that seed, it hits the soil. It's growing. You can see it growing. And, and it's, it's growing more than just the second group. He said it's growing to where there's visible growth. He said the problem is not that you're not growing. Watch this. The problem is you're not serving. You're not producing any fruit. How many of you know that um, just coming to church and, and even being in a group is not enough to help stimulate spiritual growth? Jesus says the problem there is there's no fruit. And you shall know a tree by its fruit. But what happens when there is none? Jesus says that there's got to be an environment where people are encouraged to produce fruit. This, this is what I call uh, not just being faithful, but being fruitful. See, see, this will help you to become faithful, be consistent, keep coming, get in the group. But then the next level of your transformation, the next intentional part is being fruitful. Give God your gifts and your talents. So here's a question I like. To, to ask because growth is good, but fruit is the, is the goal. So here's a question I like to ask. How do I find significance in life? Like, how do I find it? Here's another, here's another statement. Life is fulfillment. Life fulfillment is linked to faithfulness and fruitfulness. Can, can I just say something to you? Some of us, the reason why we struggle is because we've been looking for fulfillment in environments that are not designed to fulfill you. That's why the church has to be the place where people can come alive and become active with their gifts and serve and be fruitful and be faithful. You will never be more fulfilled than when you are serving God with your gifts. And can I just say this? Some of us, I'm going to bowl down your lane now, we have depended on our jobs to give us significance. And I wonder why I feel empty because I don't feel significant. Come on now, they dog you, they don't treat you right. And God's saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't go to environments that are not designed to help you understand your significance. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made for a purpose. God may have you there for a purpose, but the purpose in the paycheck is not what should be my significance. And maybe when I learn that my significance is bigger than a paycheck and bigger than punching a time clock, maybe then I will do what Jesus says, I'll start to bear some fruit. 
So what are we trying to do? Create an environment where people can use their gifts to serve the church and to serve the community. But Jesus says that there are two things that are stopping. Here's my greatest task as your pastor. You ready? Jesus says that there is two things, lore of wealth, lore of worry. Let me break this down to you. I only got a few minutes, but if I was teaching this class in seminary, I'd probably take a couple weeks to do this. So I'm going to give you the cliff notes, Pastor L version. Lore of wealth is something that presents itself of a certain value only for you to acquire it and realize that it doesn't have any value at all. He says that, that that's a thorn that chokes out your fruit. That's why some of us, you know what I'm talking about, you took a job that you thought was going to be good, you started a relationship that you thought was going to be good. Come on now, singers, you know what I'm talking about. It presented itself to have a certain value, and when you got it, it wasn't valuable at all. He says, you know what that does? It chokes out your fruit. Second thing he says is the lure of worry. Worry is, literally, means distracted cares. That you have your eyes on too many different futures. That's why James says in James that a double-minded person is unstable. Because my eyes are going too many different places. So Jesus says, you want to know the two things that will stop you from living a life of fulfillment? Going after stuff that has no real value... Being, being inconsistent, right, with, with my vision and having incompatible values. Lower wealth is when the values are incompatible. Lower worry is when I have my eyes on too much stuff and my vision is inconsistent. You know what I'm talking about. You got people like that right now in your family who switch up every year. They something different. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus says, you want, you want to know what stops you from living a fulfilled life? When you have incompatible, write that down, incompatible values, stuff don't match, and inconsistent vision. What does that mean for us as a church? We're trying to make sure, watch this, that everything that we do is compatible with those six things. That's why I said it's the frame. You, you ever found yourself working on something and realize that you've been doing stuff that works against what you say you're working for? Okay, can I, okay, confession. A few years ago, I, and I confessed this in my last church, I was actually, don't laugh at me, don't judge me, or else God gonna get you. <laughs> a few years ago, I was actually working out while I was eating a bag of Reese's Pieces. <laughs> True story. Stop laughing. <laughs> I mean, I was doing insanio, insanity, pure cardio, and every time you get that 30-second break, I would grab, <laughs> grab me a handful of Reese's Pieces and pop them in, and then I would start back. <laughs> How many times have you done stuff, come on now, that is actually working against what you say you're working for? Lord, help me spend more time with my family this year. But then you say yes to everything and your schedule is overcrowded and then you're frustrated and you're yelling at your kids and you don't have time for yourself and you wonder why you're burning out. And what you said you wanted, you actually are working against what you say you're working for, incompatible values. Then he says inconsistent vision. Keep your eyes fixed on the thing that God has called you to do. Do this in your personal life. Go home and make sure that you don't have stuff that you say you want that you're actually working for. We want to buy a house, but then 
Okay, maybe I shouldn't give this example because I'm the worst one. <laughs> I just thought about that. I was going to say you buy too many shoes, but everybody knows that's... <laughs> We're going to edit that part out of the podcast. <laughs> but, but, but are there ways where there, my values are incompatible? Are things not matching? And in a church, we got to make sure that things match. What do we say we're about? Are the programs that we are doing match what we value? That's why, and this is hard, that's why there'll be some things where we just won't do because it's not us. There are some things that are great things to do, but... But we want our vision to be consistent, and we want our values to match the vision that God has given us. I promise you, when you, when you operate, and I've done this for years, when you operate your personal life like that, you will find yourself making more progress than you've ever made in your life because I'm constantly evaluating, is what I'm saying yes to actually matching what I say I want? You following me? I'm going to end with this. We want to create some movement. Remember Jesus said, here's a 30, 60, 90. I'm going to call this a 30, 60, 100. He says, when the environment is right, there's life transformation. Did you catch that? Our job as a church is to try to create the, the best soul we can so that people's lives can be transformed. And here's, here's, what, here's what it looks like, and then we'll be done. John says this, or Jesus says this, as John is peeking in on his prayer. He says, this in John 17, chapter 3. Jesus is praying. I love how John is peeking in on his prayer. He says, verse 3, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent to earth. Heaven is good, but Jesus says, you know what real eternal life is? It's to know God for yourself. So what are we trying to do? Remember I said we start here, no faith, no roots, no fruit. That 30, 60, 100 is no God. And our job is to help you move in that direction. That's our vision. Surrounded by all of this are our values that keep us in line. And we continue to push people, get rooted. So people over here, we're trying to push you that way. People who are not serving, we're trying to push you that way. Because we want you to know God for yourself. Jesus says, you know what eternal life is? It is to know God, to move. Our vision is to help you move from no faith, whether that means you're not a Christian or not, or there's an area of your life where you have no faith, to knowing God. That's our vision. Get rooted. Be fruitful. Serve. Here's, here's a simple way to say this, and I, and I want us to start learning this. And I know I took a little bit of time, but I want you to know this. Simple way to say this, because you ain't going to remember all this. I'm going to leave it up here. You ain't going to remember all that. I know that. It's going to come up year after year after year. We're going to keep talking about it. Here's a simple way to say it. What, what do we want to help people to do? What's our vision? Write this down. You can tell this to your family and friends. What, what's your church about? I'm going to give you an elevator pitch. Here's what we want to do. We want to build your faith. We want you to belong to a family. And we want you to be the church every day. Bear fruit. Did you catch that? Let me give it to you again. Build your faith. No faith. Remember that? Belong to a family. We want you to get rooted. Use all the gifts that God has given you to advance his kingdom. Be the church. You want a simple way to tell people what we're about? 
We're here to help you build your faith. We want you to belong to our family, and we want to help you be the church. Simple as that. You with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to just get some clarity, to think through the process, to think through our values, to think through the vision of the church. God, help us to stay committed to the values. Help us to make sure that everything that we do matches our values and matches your word. God, help us to make sure that as we move forward as a church, that we become, or continue to be rather, a community that helps to build people's faith, helps them to belong to a family, and helps Christians to be the church every single day. God, we love you because you have invited us into such an awesome responsibility and an awesome opportunity. And so, God, we thank you for choosing us in this season. Now, help us to have the passion to go out and to introduce people to your church and to your son. God, we thank you and we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.